I know a man in Christ who was caught up into the third heaven 14 years ago. Whether he was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. I know that this man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. Was caught up into paradise. He heard inexpressible words which a man is not allowed to speak. I will boast about this person, but not about myself, except of my weaknesses. For if I want to boast, I will not be a fool, because I will be telling the truth. But I will spare you, so that no one can credit me with something beyond what he sees in me or hears from me, especially because of the extraordinary revelations. Therefore, so that I would not exalt myself, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan, to torment me so I would not exalt myself. Concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times to take it away. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may reside in me. So because of Christ, I am pleased in weaknesses, in insults, in catastrophes, in persecutions, and in pressures. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The reading comes to us from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 2 through 10, and I pray the Lord blesses this reading. Thank you. Paul, in our text today, seems to be struggling with an age-old question, or rather, he, we, we're getting the results of his struggle with the age-old question that perhaps any of us have asked at one time or another, why me? Why me, God? Why is this happening to me now? Why did you do this to me, sometimes we say? Why, what did I do? Paul here is afflicted with something that he calls a thorn in his flesh. And I'll tell you that there have been volumes written on what people have speculated about what Paul's thorn in his flesh might be. Um, and, And there's not a lot of clues. Suffice it to say, though, anyone who says this is what Paul has doesn't know. It's all speculation (laughs) because Paul doesn't tell us says, I was afflicted with this thorn in my flesh, which he credits to Satan, put in him. Some have suggested that maybe it's some kind of shortcoming or some kind of sin, he's, some kind of moral uh, thing he's dealing with. Some have even said maybe, perhaps it's a love that dare not speak its name. Uh, you know, he was unmarried and all of that. So a lot of people have speculated about what possibly Paul could be wrestling with in this. Uh, the best scholarship, I will say, looks to some of the clues within the text that says that the, there, were, there are a couple of things we know. Paul, one is that Paul had poor eyesight because he says so in a couple of his letters. And when he, you know, and he talks about writing his own name in big giant letters so he can see them. The other issue Paul had is somehow in Galatia, uh, we are told that he delivered the gospel to them when he was stuck there sick he had come down with something and found himself 
uh, laid up for a while. And even in that condition, when the Galatian church took him in, he, or when the people of Galatia took him in, that he took the occasion to share the gospel. And so some have speculated, because Gala- the area, the region of Galatia is kind of a high altitude, and the eyesight issue, some have speculated that it might have been malaria that Paul was afflicted with that comes along every once in a while and is aggravated and it causes problems with your eyesight and is aggravated when you get into higher altitudes. Again, complete speculation. But suffice it to say that Paul is living with some kind of ailment that is, in his mind, affecting the work he's trying to do. Paul goes to God asking for healing, begging for healing three times. Three times he begs God, please take this affliction away from me. And the answer comes back, no. At least nothing happens. I imagine that this was a crisis of faith in Paul's life. You know, I mean, Paul especially Look what I've done, Lord. Look what I've got to do yet. He even records in one of his letters that his biggest fear about dying is dying before he can accomplish the work he has to do. That's, his only hold, that's the only thing holding him back. Because he would, he would much rather be in heaven with God and, and see Jesus again, all of that. But he feels like he's got the calling, he's got all this stuff to accomplish. Not only that, but he's, he's doing the work of the Lord. God, take this ailment from me. I'll be a much better worker if I were healthy. I'll be a much better worker if I can accomplish these things without dealing with this other distraction. But Paul wasn't healed. All this healing went on around him. He hung on to this thorn in his flesh. I imagine he wondered what was going on. Paul had done all these things. What's going on, God? And in the midst of his wrestling with that question, why me? Why me? His conclusion is, I am weak so that God can be strong. This is a rather radical concept in the Bible, actually. It was, no, people didn't say things like that. In fact, you know, uh, what was thought was to happen so much of the time strength, prosperity, health, success. Those were the earmarks of God's grace and mercy on you. It wasn't being weak. <laughs> if God were blessing you, it, you, were, you, know, you were well off. You had it good. You never did get sick. And if you were sick, people often wondered, what did you do? What did you do to make God mad? What did you do to bring this on yourself? Well, I'll tell you this, neither one of those is true. And Paul embraces a different way. Paul embraces a way of seeing these things that come along as an opportunity for God's strength to shine within him. 
You know, even today we seem to struggle with this notion that if God loves us, bad things don't happen. And conversely, when bad things happen, we, like Paul, wonder what we did wrong. What happened? What, why is God punishing me in this way? I've got to tell you, here's what I think the truth is. And I, and I don't know which theologians I'm echoing here or if, or if any of them, but this is my gut I'm sharing with you here. This is the Gospel according to Curtis. So, <laughs> I think things happen. I don't think God makes things happen, the good or the bad, quite honestly. I think, you know, I think people make good choices and, and bad choices, and sometimes those choices have consequences on us and on others. But other times, I think it doesn't matter what one does. Things happen, or as a bumper sticker used to say, you, you, you know what I'm getting at. <laughs> it happens. I'd even, go, I'd even go so far as to say I'm kind of a believer in luck. I know it's blasphemy, right? I th- I'm kind of a believer in luck. I think being in the right place at the right time or the wrong place at the wrong time or sometimes things just happen. There's not a higher reason. There's not a bigger purpose. And I'll tell you one of the one of the reasons I came to this, you know, I mean, what, this idea that everyone can do all the wrong things and still have good things happen, and everyone can do all the right things and still have bad things happen. I came to this because I got to tell you, things go right for me all the time. Things fall into place amazingly, and I used to go around saying. Look how, God, look how God is, you know, I used to claim providence. That somehow God was lining the universe up so that things went well for me. So that all the obstacles would be out of the way, as it, you know, and I have some big higher purpose. And, you know, that, that sounds reasonable. I mean, you know, I'm a minister, maybe I had this calling, right, whatever. Where I started to struggle with, with this is that I knew good people for which things didn't fall into place. And I thought, well, does that mean... It? I was uncomfortable with the converse of me being so blessed so that things, you know, God taking things out of my way because then it means that God is not taking things out of everyone else's way. And somehow I'm God's favorite. And I thought, that doesn't sound like that doesn't sound like God to me. So I got real uncomfortable with that. And I will say, I made some good choices. One friend suggested that maybe I just made the easy choices. That's why things fell into place for me. Right? Maybe I just, you know, I didn't try anything hard. So <laughs> I had to, I, you know what, I enumerate on that a long time. <laughs> maybe, maybe she's right. But I got real uncomfortable with the notion that God, God shaped my destiny and, and not, not just, I mean, I feel a sense of calling. And I try to move toward that. But the notion that God somehow favored me over other people, mm, real uncomfortable, real uncomfortable. I just don't think, just don't think it works that way. I think... Things happen. 
things we don't want to happen. Difficult things come along. Struggles face us. Real hard, real life struggles. Sometimes in the midst of those real life struggles, the Sunday school answers don't work. I think that's where Paul finds himself. I prayed for healing. Healing didn't happen. What does that mean in my faith world? What Paul seems to be tapping into here is a truth that can be so important for us today that when we are at our weak point, when we are struggling, when we are facing the really hard stuff, the real life stuff, the real life and death stuff, that when God's strength, God's glory can shine through in us in those moments. And it's not that God's glory shines through because God miraculously takes away all your problems. Paul lived with this issue through his whole life and continually reminded his own self, his own soul, God's grace is sufficient to get me through this struggle. Good times, bad times, It's God's grace that is consistent, that is sufficient, that is going to get me through. And I think that we all come to a place where our own strength to cope, to manage, to navigate, runs out. We find ourselves on the floor on our knees, in a puddle of tears, hands stretched skyward going, i got nowhere else to go. I've got nothing left, God. And in the midst of that, our prayer becomes one for a spirit of boldness. Or the answer to our prayer is God's spirit of boldness and courage to face the future. An imbuing of God's strength replacing our own weakness. Whenever this, whatever that is with hope and with full knowledge that is in good times and bad times comes to us. The real knowledge, the real hope, the real understanding that in the midst of it all, I am You are a beloved child of God and we never walk through it alone. Amen? Never walk through it alone. All of us, at one time or another, even me, will face difficult and dark times. Even me, someday. I dare say some of us are facing our biggest challenges even now sit in these pews it's my heartfelt prayer that for all of us at those moments that we will see 
these times of weakness and hardship, that they are an opportunity to feel God's presence more deeply, more significantly than we've ever felt it before. The kind of relationship that only can be born out of struggle as we pray, as we get angry, as we hope, as God bears the brunt of our frustration. And I encourage you to do that. God can take it. Go ahead, get angry. Go ahead and ask why. But as we finally say out loud, God, I cannot go another minute on my own. Please help me at that moment. The strength comes when we finally really know God's presence in a way that we can only know God's presence in the midst of our weakness. Something we would never know without struggle and without hardship. Let us pray. God of love, God of compassion, God of grace. In our deepest moments of sorrow and in our highest exaltations, we turn to You knowing that Your love abounds, that it overflows, that You have compassion beyond our own comprehension. And that in the midst of our everyday and in the midst of our deepest struggles, Your grace is sufficient. You give us every tool, every power, every strength we need to get through life's happenstances, the things that come our way. Help us to be eager to turn to You in those moments. Even when we're angry, even when we're down and, and depressed, even when we are not sure You're still there. May we have the strength to turn to You. Know You are there. Know You are God. And God, again, may You inspire this body of believers be your hands of compassion wherever it's needed giving our adding our strength that we receive from you to those who are in need for we know it is your way that we would be one with you one with each other that in that there is a mysterious power for which we are grateful. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.